May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Please sit down. So, as Gami said, we come to the end of our sermon series in the Ten Commandments. Uh, We're looking at number ten, Do Not Covet, uh, or as the Good News Bible puts it in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, do not desire another man's house. Do not desire his wife, his slaves, his cattle, his donkeys, or anything else that he owns. I think that's quite a good translation because covet, it's one of these churchy words, isn't it, that we, we use sometimes in church, but we don't normally talk about coveting in day-to-day life. Uh, but coveting, uh, I think that uh, translation simply puts it, coveting is desiring something that cannot legitimately be yours. It's desiring something that cannot legitimately uh, be yours. Uh, you may not personally be desiring uh, cattle or donkeys, but it does say, or anything else that he owns. The temptation is always there to desire something that is not legitimately ours. Uh, and I found it interesting, as we've been going through this series on the Ten Commandments, uh, to think of what is the opposite. Uh, you know, the Ten Commandments are often, you know, do not do something. So what is the positive alternative? What is the good thing we should do uh, instead? Um, we've thought about how the opposite of murder is love. The opposite of adultery is faithful commitment. The opposite of stealing is generosity. The opposite of false witness is speaking the truth in love. Uh, Now, Gary said when he was introducing that last hymn that the opposite of coveting is is giving thanks with a grateful heart. Um, It's being content with what we have and thanking God for it. Uh, I think there's also, so kind of thankful contentment uh, is the opposite of coveting, but I think there's also another opposite. I kind of came up with two. I couldn't just reduce it to one. Uh, And actually, that was our first hymn. Gave us the other opposite to coveting. All my hope on God is founded. All my trust he shall renew. Uh, So the other opposite to coveting is trusting God. Trusting God that he will, in the future, give us all good things. So the opposite, the two opposites are being content and thankful for what God has given us now and trusting him to give us good things in the future. Now, before I go on and explain why, you know, I think we've got to think about those two opposites to coveting, uh, I've got to confess. Uh, If you've been following the sermons in these series at all, you'll know that, actually, we are all guilty of all of these things. Uh, I preached here on do not commit adultery, and... You know, I had to say that given, given the way that Jesus interprets and applies the Ten Commandments in the Sermon on the Mount, I am guilty of adultery, I am guilty of murder, I'm guilty of stealing of false witness, and so it probably should come as no surprise to you that, that I covet. But it's worth saying, because it can be tempting for us to think that coveting is what some other people do. It's perhaps what those, what those city bankers with their big bonuses do. Um, yeah, after all, I, I, I don't actually want a Ferrari. 
I never entered who wants to be a millionaire because actually I think being a millionaire would be too much of a hassle. I don't want to be a millionaire. Um, I don't want a skiing holiday. But you know, if coveting is, is wanting stuff that is not legitimately mine, it can still apply to things that are smaller than that. Uh, I may not want a Ferrari, but I'd like to have a car that's a bit bigger and a bit newer than the one that I've got already. Uh, I don't want a million pounds, but it'd be nice to have a few thousand more in the bank, just, just so I'd feel kind of safe and secure and have a bit of a buffer, something, something to rely on. Uh, and yeah, I don't want a skiing holiday, but it'd be nice to have a bit more time off to do some nice walks in the Lake District, at least when we have some good weather, uh, we hope. So, um, so I covet. So I myself, I need to think of what are these positive things that I can focus on uh, in order not to covet. Uh, and yeah, the first one is contentment. It's being thankful with, with what we've got. It's... Uh, it's the one I'm going to begin with because it's the one that applies to us all, to everybody. And, you know, whether, uh, whether we would call ourselves Christian or not, God has given us good things and we should be thankful with that. Uh, as we heard uh, in our first reading from Paul's letter to his follower Timothy, if he is satisfied with what he has, what did we bring into the world? Nothing. What can we take out of the world? Nothing. So then, if we have food and clothes, that should be enough for us. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation. If we have food and clothes, that should be uh, enough for us. Uh, Somebody who had lots of food and clothing and riches and power and luxury was the writer of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. He had it all, and yet he writes... You work and you worry your way through life, and what do you have to show for it? As long as you live, everything you do brings nothing but worry and heartache. Even at night, your mind can't rest. It's all useless. The best thing a man can do is to eat and drink and enjoy what he has earned. And yet I realize that even this comes from God. How else could you have anything at all to eat or enjoy yourself? So be content with what God has given us. God hasn't given me a Ferrari. He's not given me a car that's big. But I've got a car and I should be thankful and I know that there are many people in Barrow who don't even have that. I'd like to have a bit more money in the bank, but God has given me uh, many good things. Uh, He's given me, actually, a fair amount of time off and beautiful surroundings to enjoy it in. I should focus on giving thanks to God for the good things that he has given me. Uh, And yet, whilst I can look at people who have more, I'm very aware that that here in Barrow there are many people uh, who have less, and and that may include uh, some of you. But God calls all of us to be content with what we have, to be thankful. Uh, Gary reminded us uh, two weeks ago that... Uh, last year, the Barrow Food Bank fed 6,000 people. Is, is that what 6,000 people were fed by the food bank? And it's dreadful that in our society that many people need to be helped. It's great that the food bank can help that many people. 
But if 6,000 people were fed by the food bank, that still leaves over 90% of the population of Barrow who didn't need to go to the food bank for food. Over 90% of the people here do have enough food to eat day by day. Um, Let us be thankful for that. And I suspect all but the very poorest among us are wealthy by global standards. Caroline and I have some friends who we made when we were at Theological College uh, at Oak Hill in London who went out to Uganda to teach in a seminary there. Uh, And uh, uh, this guy, Chris, he sent me an email recently uh, saying how struck he was by how frequently and unexpectedly people die in Uganda. Not, not, Not thinking about old people, thinking about children, thinking about apparently healthy adults just dropping dead. And and he writes, one thing that always strikes us as slightly odd here is the way that people seem to give thanks to the Lord for the most mundane things. Thank you that I have completed this term is a common thing to hear in chapel at the end of semester. I never prayed that at Oak Hill. I just presumed that I would complete each term and planned accordingly. It was just a given. I would live out to see my course at college. So I would live to see out my course at college Of course I would. Why would I ever dare to think otherwise? It never crossed my mind. Not here, though. People are so surrounded by death, death in children and young people too, I mean, that there is no presumption at all that everyone will make it to the end of term, and not everyone does. So, if we have food and clothing, housing and health, let us be thankful, or as Paul puts it to Timothy. So then, if we have food and clothes, that should be enough for us. I I don't need a bigger car. I don't need longer holidays. I don't need a little bit more money than what I've already got. I should be thankful. I should be thankful and content with what God has given me. So, I think that's the first opposite uh, to coveting, is being content and thankful with what God has given us. Uh, There's another opposite, though, I think, which is trusting God. And we hear Jesus talk about that in uh, the gospel reading that we heard. Do not store up riches for yourselves here on earth, where moths and rust destroy and robbers break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and robbers cannot break in and steal. That is why I tell you not to be worried about the food and drink you need in order to stay alive, or about clothes for your body. After all, isn't life worth more than food? Isn't the body worth more than clothes? Look at the birds flying around. They do not sow seeds, gather a harvest, or put things in barns, yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth much more than many birds? Can any of you live a bit longer by worrying about it? And why worry about clothes? Look how the wildflowers grow. They do not work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you that not even King Solomon in all his glory uh, was as beautiful as one of these flowers. It is God who clothes the wild grass. Grass that is here today and gone tomorrow, burnt up in the oven. Won't he be all the more sure to clothe you? How little faith you have. So do not start worrying Where will my food come from, or my drink, or my clothes? These are things that the pagans are always concerned about. Your Father in heaven knows that you need all these things. 
Instead, be concerned, above everything else, with the kingdom of God and with what he requires of you, and, and he will provide you with all these other things. So Jesus reminds us that God is generous and calls us to trust him, calls us to trust him in two things, that calls us to trust him to give us enough for this life, not necessarily extravagantly loads, but to give us enough, but also to give us these riches in heaven that will endure for eternity. God is generous and he will give good things to those who trust in him. Uh, Now, thinking about trust couldn't help but remind me of uh, Rachel uh, in the bath. For those of you who don't know, Rachel uh, is my three-year-old daughter who's probably dancing around through there in the Sunday club, or I think they're gluing something uh, this morning, so we'll, we'll see what they've made when they come through later on. Rachel normally likes having a bath, uh, but she hates having her hair washed, because she doesn't like getting water and shampoo in her eyes uh, and in her ears. Uh, and we had one of those bath times on, I think it was Wednesday night, that, you know, I know she doesn't want to get water in her eyes and her ears. I want good things for her. So when she's in the bath, when she's, it's time for her to wash her hair, I put, I put my hand in the water, just underneath the surface of the water. I tell her to lean back and put her head on my hand. That way, when I pour the water over, it will kind of run can't really act this out. Run down her hair. She's got much more hair than me as well. It'll run down her hair, but it won't go into her eyes and her ears. And if she trusts me to do that, then it works really well. But sometimes, and this happens on Wednesday, she didn't trust me. So she wanted to protect her. She's frightened of getting the water in her eyes and her ears. So instead, she screws up her face and she sits up in the bath. And of course, that means that the water goes into her eyes and into her ears. Um, Rachel doesn't trust... But it's easy, it's easy, isn't it, for me to point the finger at Rachel when, as I've said before, I I do it myself. I don't trust God. The fact that, you know, I I have enough to, to get by day by day, but the fact that I think, oh, if only I had a few thousand more in the bank, then I'd feel secure, suggests that I'm not actually trusting God I'm not trusting God to be generous and give me what I need. I'm trying to protect myself. Uh, and as with you, know, me bathing Rachel, so with us and God, it's when we don't trust God um, to give us good things, that tends to be when the bad things happen. Uh, you know, after all, if I want good things for Rachel, how much more of a generous and loving Heavenly Father is God? How much more does he want does he want to give us good things? Sorry, don't know what that, what that was. God is a generous father who will give us good things. I want to make that point again because I, I want to make the point that, that not coveting isn't about not wanting stuff. It's not about not wanting stuff. It's about trusting God to give us the good things that we need and that he will give us the even better things into eternity that, that maybe we don't even know about but that he will give us. Uh, not wanting stuff. Uh, other religions like, uh, like Buddhism uh, or Stoicism uh, and other types of philosophy, they say that the answer is to not want stuff. But Christianity says God is a generous and loving Father who wants to give us good things. The answer to coveting is to trust him to give us the good things 
rather than try and get them ourselves. Uh, Now, the writer C.S. Lewis once preached a sermon in which he said, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing uh, promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Why should I waste my time worrying about wanting an extra few thousand or a slightly bigger car when God is offering eternal joy and riches in heaven? So, let's spend a bit of time reminding ourselves of what are some of these great things that we can trust God to give to his children. Uh, God, the the Apostle Paul says to uh, the Christians in Ephesus, to those in this ancient city of Ephesus who are following Jesus, he says, let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in our union with Christ, he has blessed us by giving us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. Even before the world was made, God had already chosen us to be his through our union with Christ, so that we would be holy and blameless before him. Because of his love, God had already decided that through Jesus Christ, he would make us his sons. That was his pleasure and purpose. Let us praise God for his glorious grace, the free gift of God he gave us in his dear Son. For by the death of Christ, we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God which he gave to us in such large measure. I don't know about you, but I often think of the letters of Paul as kind of fairly dry theological treatises. But here Paul is overflowing with thankfulness uh, for the gifts God has already given to those who believe in him. I, I don't know if you noticed, he went through things like you know, spiritual blessing, uh, chosen to be united with Christ, to be part of God's family, to be holy and blameless, uh, pardon and forgiveness of sins. And he writes about those as things that God has already done for those who believe in him and are united with him through Christ. So, but I think because these are things we cannot see, we need to trust that God has already done what he has said uh, he will do. So I think this, this kind of overlaps between thankful contentment and trust that God has done already these amazing things for those who believe in him. And God has promised that he will do even more amazing things. This is Paul writing to Christians in Rome. We know that in all things God works for good with those who love him, those whom he has called according to his purpose. Those whom God had already chosen, he also set apart to become like his son, so that the son would be the first among many brothers. And so those God set apart, he called. Those he called, he put right with himself, and he shared his glory with them. In view of all this, what can we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Certainly not God, who did not even keep back his own son, but offered him up for us all. He gave us his son, Will he not also freely give us all things? 
Who will accuse God's chosen people? God himself declares them not guilty. Who then will condemn them? Not Christ, Jesus, who died, or rather who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God pleading with him for us. Who then can separate us from the love of God? Can trouble do it, or hardship, or persecution, or hunger, or poverty, or danger, or death? These are rhetorical questions. Of course, Paul is expecting the answer. No, nothing can separate uh, from God's love those for whom God has already sent Jesus to die for those who believe in him. Is is God going to be less generous than that? Is God going to hold back any of these riches in heaven from us in the future? Of course, that again reminds me um, of Rachel uh, in the bath. Is if we if we lie back and trust God, then He will give us all of these amazing blessings. It's if we screw ourselves up and try to protect ourselves and try to find our own satisfaction, our own fulfilment, our own security. That's when we risk losing out on all of these blessings because we're not trusting God. So. Let us remember that God is a generous and loving Heavenly Father. He is generous uh, with all the things uh, of this life. Uh, And he is overwhelmingly generous in eternity with those riches in heaven. So what should we do? What do I need to do? I need to to repent of desiring those things that aren't rightfully mine. I need to I need to say sorry to God and turn away from that. I need to, to turn away from seeking my security, from seeking my fulfillment uh, in things rather than in the God who gives good things and who promises to give even better things. I need to give thanks with a grateful heart. I need to be grateful, to be content with what God has given me. And I need to trust God to give me good things. I need to trust God to do what he has said he will do. I need to trust God to fulfill his promises, to give good things now and on into eternity. I need to do that. I suspect we probably all need to do that. So let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for being such a loving and generous Heavenly Father. And please forgive us Uh, for those times when we lose sight of that, for when we seek our fulfillment, our joy, our satisfaction uh, in things, rather than in you who give such good things. Please forgive us, and please help us to be content with what you've given us. Help us to look forward, to trust, uh, to look forward with, with joyful and thankful hearts to the amazing riches that you promise to those who believe in you. So help us to trust you and to keep on trusting in you through your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.